All right, everybody, Leo Cannell here with our latest episode of the Seven Figures Club podcast, where we help audiences who are looking to build a seven figures business. As we always talk about, only 7% of businesses in this country break that seven figures mold. And today's guest, Jared Getz, not only has built multi seven figure businesses, but actually eight figure businesses. And he's done it in a very short period of time. He's He's been involved in some amazing products. And so I'm gonna hand over uh, the, the focus to him real quick to just give us a quick little intro of who Jared is and a little bit about his entrepreneurial journey. And then we'll start asking him some questions because there's a lot to learn. There are over 32 million businesses in the US and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, I love doing things like this because we're all the same and that we all have you know a mission that we're going after and... Being able to share my insights can help other people. And actually talking about this stuff with you reinforces my own ideas. So I'm grateful to be on here. I appreciate it. Um, my journey has been a pretty pretty extensive journey for you know being in business for about 10 or 11 years. Um, I got started in the concert promotion industry, actually. And I started bringing big artists to my college. And I realized that the industry, you know, the business model, we were spending too much money on artists. So we created our own show. Uh, you guys can look it up on YouTube. We don't do it anymore. It's been eight years since we've done it, but it was called Electric Blurry. And it was the world's largest foam party. So we got arenas and DJs and giant foam cannons that shot foam 200 feet in the air and circus acts. And we started doing this show all over the country. And I had made uh, about a million dollars when I was 21. Which was cool because I come from a you know single mom, um, one bedroom apartment, only child. So like I, I knew I was wanting more, but subconsciously I never believed it was possible. But I actually outperformed my beliefs, which got you know gave me hope that there's a lot more. Um, but by the time I was 22, turning 23, uh, I didn't know enough about cash flow management. I didn't know enough about bookkeeping or accounting or a lot of the things that are really important for business, I wasn't ready for my success. So I booked the show that was too big. We didn't sell enough tickets. I lost all my money. Ended up moving back in with my mom. And it was tough because I had built up this belief about myself and this ego that I was somebody that at the point I had nothing. I was living back with my mom. And I started getting into more like, you know, how do I just be happy? Right. And from about a month of not knowing what I was going to do, uh, the next opportunity popped up into my life. And that's the cool thing is because you never know when things are going to happen. And you always expect things to go one way, but almost every time they go a different way and almost every time they're better than what you expected. So I got reached out to by a company that a lot of the listeners have probably heard at, heard about. Um, it was called Yip Yap, social media app. It was like Twitter, but it was anonymous and it was local. And they had just raised uh, their Series A, $10 million. They were looking to get more college students on their app. 
And I was like, well, if you promote your app the same way I promote my shows, and it's a free app, you'll get a lot of people on for relatively low cost. So long story short, I came on board Yik Yak. Um, I put together campus tours. We got a tour bus. We got it wrapped. We got uh, a big yak mascot. We got a mechanical yak that we could set up on campuses. And we booked 35 schools on the West Coast. We had eight people on the bus. We lived on there for four months. And we made it go super viral. We recorded everything. We threw these big parties. And we helped Yik Yak grow from uh, 100,000 monthly active users to about 10 million in four months, which was explosive growth. And that caused uh, us to go raise another $62 million Series B. So at that time, you know, I had a significant amount of equity in the company and we were valued at $450 million. So I was like, you know, I was in a really good place. And if you asked me a year and a half ago, I would never, I wouldn't even known I was there. And with doing all that, I started developing a little bit of a reputation for being good at marketing. So I was lucky to get my hands on a hoverboard. Somebody was like, hey, how do we sell these things? And I had never seen it before. So I got this thing in the mail. I'm like, what the hell is this? And I stepped on it. I was like, whoa. Started riding it around and everyone's asking me where to buy it. So I built my first Shopify store. And when people asked me, where do you buy this hoverboard? I just gave out a business card. And it was like a little side hustle. But I was making about a thousand dollar profit on each one I sold. So I was selling like two or three of them a week. And I started getting obsessed with how do I sell a thousand of them and make a million dollars. And I ended up getting connected with all these big influencers and we blew up the brand. We actually blew it up to a point where Mark Cuban reached out because he was interested in, in buying the patent on the hoverboard. And he liked the brand that we built. Um, so we basically agreed with him that we would stop selling these like Chinese knockoff hoverboards to preserve our brand for when his, his comes out. Didn't end up happening, but it did show me the power of e-commerce. Mm. From there, I started going out to China, uh, went to the Canton Fair, found other viral products. I, I don't know, have you ever seen those uh, inflatable loungers? You wave them through the air and they fill up and then you can like, clip them and lay down on them. They're a super yeah. viral product. So I was one of the first people to bring those to the US. And then I discovered drop shipping um, about five years ago. And I was fascinated that you could market and sell as much as you want without ever having to hold the inventory. Because one of the biggest pain points I had was wiring 250 grand in China, waiting for the product to come in, paying for a truck to bring it to the warehouse, paying for warehousing, shipping it out, running out of inventory. So when I discovered drop shipping, I was like, this is amazing. So I built a drop shipping store and I, I just went crazy marketing. Um, and I was selling very similar products that I was importing, but I didn't have to touch them. And I grew my first Shopify store uh, from zero to $2 million in 60 days. And that was like by far the biggest growth I'd ever experienced. And from there, uh, you know, stayed in the drop shipping space for a while. Uh, and I just had a lot of people asking me like, you know, how are you, how are you making so much money selling products online? So I discovered the, the info space. It was a, I saw a lot of people making money selling courses. So I built my course. It was called Ecom Hacks Academy. Um, we grew that to about 10,000 students, um, you know, big email listing, Facebook group, things like that. And from there, it was, I was getting to a, a fork in the road in my career because I didn't want to be the e-commerce guru. I didn't want to be the guy like selling people dreams, even though it was very possible. 
a lot of people didn't have the, the business acumen or the emotional intelligence you need to do what we were selling them that they can do. So we decided to pivot and move into the software that can actually serve the community. And that's when we built Zendrop, which is my current company. And it's what I'm in for the long haul. Man, that's an unbelievable journey. What would you say about 10 years is uh, kind of what you just went through kind of the last 10 years or how many years are we talking? Yeah, I'm 30 now, and I started uh, Electric Flurry when I was 19. So yeah, like 10, 11 years. 10, 11 years. Man, that's a crazy journey. Let's kind of unpack this and start from the beginning of this. So at the beginning, you know, you grow up uh, single mom. Things are, are not easy. They don't come easy for you. How is it you have no fear to just go out there and start booking big, massive, you know, concert type uh, artists for these venues? Where, where did you push past the fear or was fear just not a, not a thing for you because you had nothing to lose? What was your initial mindset to launch and have the, the guts to go do something like that? Yeah, I, I guess I had the false belief that I wanted material things when I was young. I always thought like, I remember when I was 16 years old, I saw some young guy driving a Lamborghini. Like when I was down visiting my grandma in Florida and I was like, man, if I could just get a Lamborghini, I'd be set. And like, I had this false belief that material things would make me happy and I had nothing to lose. And I also had this false confidence that I was like able to do all these things, which at the time I wasn't, but I didn't know that you kind of have to learn as you go. And while I was in college, um, there was a kid who grew up in the town next to me. He was about three years older and he was like the big success story of the town. He built a uh, really big concert promotion company, you know, flying on private jets with Avicii and Tiesto and booking these, these nationwide tours. And I had done a favor for his sister. Um, back when I was like 17, 18 years old, we used to rent out these houses in the Hamptons. And then we would, we'd rent them for a month. And then we would rent them out to prom parties. I couldn't get houses to have a party at after prom. Mm. And we got his sister a house like last minute. So when he was bringing his concert tour to Albany, where I went to school, he was like, if you want to come on as a 50% partner, you have the opportunity to, you just have to raise 50% of the funds. And we needed to put together like 75 grand. And I had like maybe five grand at the time because I was a broke college student. Um, but I went to like all my friends, all the kids in my fraternity, all the you know people I knew with money. And I was raising like, two grand from one kid, five from another, 10 from another. And I was just giving them their pro rate share of the profits of the show based on what we made. And yeah, first we basically had the opportunity to do two shows back to back. First one was Steve Aoki, who was a really famous DJ. Second one was Lupe Fiasco, which was a really big hip hop artist. And if we had sold out both, both shows, we would make like 150 grand. So First night we sold out. I was on top of the world. We were up like 50 grand. And then the next night we lost 50 grand. So we ended up breaking even. But it but it was my entry into that industry, you know, that came out of it. The, the power and the magic of events and, and helping, you know, bring a lot of people together. So amazing story. And then the next step there is after you built that up and eventually, you know, do well, make a lot of money at a young age. But like you said, don't have the accounting, the cash flow st- skills, maybe the money management or where you should put your money next. Then you actually go through 
and you were talking about losing a lot of that momentum and money that you had earned and, and that initial success going away and you actually have to go back and move back in with your mom. And I know a lot of people when they see some of that early success and then they see an early you know, failure like that, like they have a lot of trouble, a lot of people rebounding and in getting back to it. What do you think was the key to you being able to rebound and get back on track so quickly? Yeah. So, you know, when I was in that industry, I just had this vision of like, you know, doing a show with a hundred thousand people and making $40 million on it. And like, I was vision driven. So I was just going, I was just booking shows, selling tickets, using the ticket money to book other shows. And it was just this big machine. And I had no idea where we were. So we ended up losing everything. And when I moved back in with my mom, I was like, you know, I had, my, I just like, this inflated, I guess you could call it an ego where I was like, you know, I made it. And then like, now I have nothing. So like the person I thought I was, I actually wasn't. So I was beginning to get a little depressed and discouraged and I didn't really know where to turn. So I started focusing on just trying to be happy. So like waking up early, going for a run. My mom lives in Freeport, New York. So like I would run over to like the, the water you know, read books. I read a book called the way of the peaceful warrior. And that was kind of like my intro into like spirituality meditation and stuff. And I was actually starting to feel good again. Um, and then out of nowhere, I got an email from Yik Yak. They actually wanted to sponsor my shows because they wanted to get more college students on. Mm. But when they, when they asked me, I was like, first I was like, Ooh, this could be a good opportunity. Maybe I can get them to sponsor a whole tour and I can put together a tour again. And then I was like, is that really best for them? I don't think it is. So I was like, let me just tell them what I think is best for them with no intentions. I don't want anything out of it. So I explained to them, you know, how I think they should market their app and they were interested. So they basically asked me to fly out to Atlanta the next day. That's where they were based and talk more. And I had nothing to lose, nothing to gain. So I flew out to Atlanta. We, I met with them. I was just trying to be, I was just trying to be genuine and true. And it led to, Hey, do you want to come on and leave this initiative? And that's kind of how I rebounded from being at a really low point. So you were able to rebound because you had made so much noise and, and become known as someone who gets these events, puts those together. So even though that venture didn't end up, you know, building long-term, you know, wealth and success for you, it did open the door and get your name out there as someone who puts events together. And then I think there's some amazing gold nuggets you just dropped there for everybody. Instead of going in, you know, how can this be all about me benefiting? It's how can I serve you and how can I really provide value and, and just give you the honest truth? Like this is probably the direction you want to go. And you're going to be able to grow a lot faster if you do. And then one thing leads to another, like, wow, this, he's absolutely right. And then you're like, well, why don't you come run it? And so instead of going out there with how can I benefit, it's how can I benefit you? And that ability to serve and give them what they need opens the door to this massive, massive opportunity. And so then you get started in, in there. And now what's the next step? How Tell us about your marketing strategies and genius you said you grew that from, they were at 100,000 users when you came in and literally a few months later, you've grown it to 10 million. Is that right? Yeah. So I can't you 100x take, that. I can't take full credit because we were a team, but 
for sure. The initiatives sure. that I put in place were what helped make the app go so viral. Basically, what we did was they raised a $10 million Series A. And it was a small group of us. By the time I came on, I basically had, I came on board in, in August. And I had until September 13th, I remember the date, to have a full-on campus tour put together. So it was just me. And I had to go find a tour bus. I didn't know where to get a tour bus. I had to go hire a driver, do background checks, get a, a wrap design, wrap the whole bus, get a, a trailer that fits on the bus, got a custom-built mechanical bull into a yak. We got a, a, a yak mascot created. I hired seven promoters to come on the bus with me. We got T-shirts, ping pong balls, koozies, socks, like a bunch of merchandise purchased. And then that was the easy part. The hard part was mapping out what schools we're going to go to, finding a hotel that could accommodate a 45-foot tour bus with the trailer in every city, find a point of contact at every school. I was on Facebook. I was actually looking for uh, Red Bull campus reps because I knew they were like cool people. So I'd look at the campus reps at all these schools, DM them, hey, you know, we have this company, we want to come on your campus and we want to throw a party or we want to give things out. And what we basically, by the, by the day, like the last day of it, we had the bus in Washington State. Everyone had flown in. We all met each other that day. Um, we had all the merchandise there. Like the mascot got shipped in the next day. We like literally by the wire got it all done. And then by the first tour stop, nobody knew who we were. We were this giant green bus that showed up on campus. And we're like, what is this thing? And then, you know, we, we started recording, you know, filming, putting it on YouTube, putting it on social. And then by like the 15th tour stop, people started like, oh my God, the Yik Yak bus is here. By the 35th stop, everyone's like waiting for us to get there. There's hundreds of people waiting for the bus to get there. We're throwing these crazy parties like, and it's just going viral. And then at the same time, we had uh, you know a, uh, a media buying team targeting all these people with ads. And we realized that if we can get a thousand people to download the app, there would be a network effect that there would be at least 4,000 people total that would download the app within two weeks. So our goal was to go on campus and get a thousand downloads. And that was it. I mean, it, it, it went viral from there and we were able to go raise more money and do more tours. And um, yeah, that's that kind of how we got off the ground and made it go viral. Unbelievable. And so then uh, it's growing. The users are growing. You're, you're doing this uh, this nationwide uh, university campus tour and, and getting called students to engage in in uh, this new social media app. And then, you know, what's what's the next uh, step there? At some point, uh, then you uh, that's when you also were getting into the hoverboard, which, uh, you know, we've got a few of those at my house. My kids love them. And and how did you get involved in that? And, and what was that uh, that process like? Yeah. So, you know, I started developing a little bit of a reputation um, that I was good at marketing. And a friend of mine who was he was big in importing electronics and selling them to retail. He was at the Canton Fair in China. And he called me and he was like, Jared, I found the coolest product. Um, I've never seen it before. I don't think anyone's seen it before. I want to get your opinion on it. And I'm like, okay, like, what is it? He's like, I don't want to tell you what it is. I want to just send you one. So he packed it up, like DHL Express shipped it to me. Um, and I was on, uh, I was at Lake Havasu in Arizona because we're sponsoring spring break. And I get this thing in the mail like a week later and I open it up and it was a hoverboard. 
but I had never seen one before. So it looked like alien technology. It's like, how, how is this thing going to work? It's like a mini segue. Like this is too good to be true. Plug it in, step on it. And I had like five people in my hotel room and I'm like, everyone's like, Oh my God, like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. So I started riding it around the Lake Havasu resort where the spring break was going on. And like people were running from every direction to like, where did you get that thing? Like, can I try it? Like, how much is it? And I'm like, I don't know where you can get it. I don't know how much it is. And like, no, you can't try it. Cause I don't want you to hurt yourself. And, uh, but I was like, if I could just start selling these, I could probably, I could probably sell a lot of them. So I basically started going to Starbucks at like seven in the morning every day, made my first Shopify store, um, took photos on the iPhone, videos on the iPhone, like basic, basic thing. And then every time somebody started asking me, where did you get this from? I just started handing out business cards and put, they started going to my website and buying them. And that's kind of how it started. And then I was, I was making about a thousand to $1,200 profit on each one. Cause we were getting them for 300 drop shipping them for 1500. And I started obsessing over how can I sell a thousand of these hoverboards? And, and I didn't know anything about Facebook ads. I didn't know anything about influencer marketing, but I did have one friend that was a professional snowboarder and he had like 30,000 followers. So I was like, maybe if uh, his name is Jack McCall, I was like, maybe if Jack McCall posts this on his Instagram, we'll sell some. So he posted in, we got like two sales. And I was like, Holy shit, this is crazy. And Jack was friends with a bunch of these big influencers in LA, like Nash and Hayes Greer. You know, they got 10, 20 million followers. Um, a bunch of these other kids with like five, 10 million followers. And basically I showed them the product. They loved it. They all invested like five grand a piece so we can get inventory. And they started posting it and we immediately sold out. We did like a quarter million dollars in sales. And it got to a point where our brand was like, we had like 300,000 followers with a ton of engagement, you know, 50,000 likes on every photo kind of thing. And it got so much attention that uh, Mark Cuban actually reached out because he was interested in purchasing the patent for the hoverboard because nobody had it at the time. And he reached out and he's like, Jared, I love the brand and I want to work with you guys, but you can't sell these cheap Chinese knockoffs because it's a liability to your brand. He's like, if you stop selling it today, we can do a deal when I get the patent. So after one month of selling the hoverboards, we stopped selling them in hopes to do a deal with Cuban. But the deal never went through, but it was a great way to get off the ground anyway. No, oh, amazing. And so at the now, are you still working for the social media app at the same time? I, I was, but I started making, so I had a lot of shares in Yik Yak. Yeah. And, you know, that was like where I thought I was going to go. I started making so much more money selling the hoverboards that I, I was like, I was between a rock and a hard place. I didn't know if I like wanted to stay at Yik Yak or like go do this on my own, but I saw so much potential of selling online because hmm. you could reach unlimited people. And I thought I had a formula down. So I told my, my business partner, I'm like, Jack, hey, Jack came out as a partner. I'm like, you know, if I leave Yik Yak, will you like, will you move to LA with me? And like, we get a warehouse and we go to China and we find products and really do this right. And he's like, I'm like 90% in. I'm like, I need a hundred percent or I can't do it. Next day he's like, yeah, I'm a hundred percent in. So I made a hard decision. I, I quit um, on good terms. I sold my shares back to the company at a discounted rate. So I made a little exit. And then um, we went out to China and started, we just started our journey. So I left Yik Yak. 
So you start that journey, now you go to China, and now it's what are the next viral products? But before we get to that, people are starting to notice that you're a marketing genius. So let's break that down. Let's synthesize that for all the startups, all the aspiring entrepreneurs, people are looking to get something off the ground working from home. What is it that was so effective about your marketing strategies early on in your career? Well, to be honest with you, like the marketing strategies early on with the hoverboards, I, I could have marketed those anyway. The product marketed itself. So my idea was like, just put it in front of as many eyeballs as possible. I wasn't selling them on like, this is the fastest one or this is the best one. Cause there was like three of them, you know, it was like, everyone just wanted to buy one. So it was just get it as, in, as front, in front of as many eyeballs as we could. So we were using influencers, um, not even paying them, just sending them a free hoverboard. Like, Hey, can you post? And they were posting, but now the marketing strategies are all about testing for us. Like with, with drop shipping and e-commerce, it's like the thing about to, to get a little bit ahead, the thing about drop shipping is that you don't need to hold inventory and the business model is so easy because you don't have to touch anything that you could test hundreds of products and typically like one in every 20 that you test will get sales and be a winning product. So it's just a numbers game now. So back then it was like, you can market this thing any, any way possible. Now it's about testing. I can rip on that more. If you, so so how, how do you run those tests? Are we doing an Instagram campaign or what does what a test look like? Yeah, so I'll, um, I'll soft drop my company in here. I own a company called Zendrop. This is what I'm in on full-time on board. Like this is the long-term vision. Basically with Zendrop, there's over 400,000 products on our catalog that you could pick from. And if we don't have it on our catalog, you can basically just paste an AliExpress link in. We scrape all the data and we'll have the product on the platform within one day. And you could add as many products as you want to your store. And then basically what you do is I have a, a testing method for anyone that knows Facebook ads. This will make sense. If you don't know Facebook ads, you might be confused, but I'll keep it really short and sweet so I don't confuse too many people. Um, the testing method that I like to use is called the lazy man testing method. And basically what you're doing is you're putting up 30 ad sets at a $3 budget each with no targeting, US 18 plus, right? And after the first day, if they don't have a view content, you kill the ad. After the second day, if they don't have an ad to cart, you kill the ad. And after the third day, if it doesn't have a purchase, you kill the ad. And then after the third day, if you have five or more purchases, then you go on to put your energy into building out the page and making the product look good and get videos made. Because what happens is a lot of people who are getting started, they put all this energy into doing something before they know it works. And then it doesn't work and they get discouraged. And then they start to associate trying really hard with getting discouraged and they don't want to try hard anymore and then they give up. So my high level objective here is just test as quickly and simply as you could. The, the lazy man testing method could be found in, uh, if you have a Zendrop account, we have something called Zendrop Academy and it teaches you all the different marketing tactics we use, but it's just do it as quickly as you could. And then when you find traction, that's when you want to invest your energy into making it better. Otherwise you're going to get discouraged. Jared, what's, what's the website? Is it zendrop.com or what's the website? Yeah, zendrop.com. All right, with a Z, right? Z-E-N? Mm -hmm. All right, guys, zendrop.com. Go check that out. Again, amazing gold nuggets that Jared just dropped there. 
And this really is obviously very true in e-commerce. I think it's really true in most businesses. The problem that most people have is exactly what Jared just explained. So you choose a product and you think it's the product, you think it's the thing, and you go out and you spend all this money and you invest all this time. And instead of you know just hoping and thinking that that's the product, you just never know. You've got to test lots of products, lots of offers. And then when you get the result, then you can go in and then that's where you spend more. That's where you do the advertising campaign. And those are the ones you work hard at. And the problem that most people make that I see in entrepreneurship is they just choose something and they decide, oh, I'm Steve Jobs. I know what the market wants. We're not all Steve Jobs, but if we'll test out the right products and then the market will say, hey, this one's a winner and these other 10 are not, then we can go all in with the products that we know are getting results based on what the market tells us. And that's a super important concept that Jared just taught. And e-commerce, I mean, obviously in the last year with the pandemic, everything that's happened, Shopify, Amazon, Walmart stores, all of these e-commerce opportunities are only going to get bigger. And, and now you talked about Zendrop Academy, What's some of the next steps that someone can look into and really decide if, if this is an opportunity that they should pursue and, uh, and where do they find the Zendrop Academy at? Yeah. I mean, so for me, drop shipping was like the, that was um, the single like best business opportunity I've ever came across because like I'm obsessed with efficiency. So like I, sending money to, to China or to a manufacturer, bringing a product into your warehouse, shipping it out. It takes a lot of movement. There's a lot of moving parts in between and drop shipping makes it easy. You can just start marketing and selling and you can, you can make a lot of money doing it if you do it right. Right. If you, if you do what we just said and, and invest all your time in making this page look perfect and, you know, creating your own videos and then like, Five, five times you do this and you're spending three days on each one, you're going to want to give up. But with drop shipping, it's like, you don't know what the best product's going to be. If you, people ask me all the time, hey, Jared, do you think this product will sell well? And my answer is it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think at all. Like literally does not matter. I sold a, a, a product. It was a, uh, a, a stuffed hamster that talks back to you. I didn't think it was going to sell well, but we sold over a hundred thousand units of it. Totally random product. Um, but with Zendrop Academy, um, it could be found in your Zendrop account. So basically all you do is you sign up you connect to your Shopify store. Um, and then it's in your resources. Um, it's if you have a pro membership and Leo, if you want, I can, uh, I can give your listeners a, a free. Please. Yeah. So tell me what you want the code to be and I'll get it made. Make it, uh, Make it seven figures, just the digits seven and then figures. Cool. So I will have a, uh, a free month of Zendrop Pro for your listeners. And we also have a free account. Um, the free account, you could start selling. But with the Pro account, you could actually, all your packages that get shipped out, we'll put a little custom thank you card on a nice high gloss card stock. Um, we have express shipping for you. We have auto fulfill. So every time you make a sale, you don't have to do anything. We'll automatically fulfill it for you and uh, plenty of other good features along. So seven figures, you guys will get a uh, yeah free pro membership for a month. Unbelievable. And, and how much is that uh, pro membership each month? Uh, it's 49 bucks usually. 
I mean, very, very affordable, guys. For the amount of value that that software is giving you, like there's a lot of bang for the buck. And if, if we've all learned anything, and I think about uh, you know our business and how many vital pieces of software that it takes, and that software just gives you such a massive advantage against your competition to get things done, to get things done efficiently, as Jared's talking about. So super, super important. And so now you, you've gone from mentoring people to you've created these massive drop shipping businesses, and then you get to, to Zendrop. Now, how was, did you have experience creating software? Did your partners? Because software is such a great opportunity in business. It's where the most valuable companies are often found. There's uh, you know, the recurring revenue where you make a sale and people, if you do a good job of your product, they come back month after month. So how, what was the process like for you guys to create a software that was effective and, and how, what, break that down for us. Yeah. So personally, I don't have any background in software development. Um, as a matter of fact, I can barely even speak to it because um, I don't, you know, I'm not good with development, but the thing is there, there's a lot of resources out there for you. Um, there's a lot of developers you can hire. What's really important though, is having, a class A project manager and designer that could write stories and use scrum methodology to give to your developers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I started originally we, when I brought uh, Zendrop, uh, we actually launched it under a different name, but now we're, it's, it's uh, we launched it as Silk Road originally. And then after a few months, we rebranded it. But when we came up with the concept, uh, we were assuming it would take about six months to build. Um, the basic functionality and what, you know, two and a half years later, I learned that software always takes longer than you expect. It costs a lot more than you planned on, right? Yeah. It costs a lot more. I mean, I've invested, you know, multiple seven figures, uh, of my own money wow. into building it. Wow. Um, you don't need to though. I mean, you, I, I've built softwares in the past that cost me, you know, 50 grand to uh, make and it's, but it's like what you put in is what you get out. So, you know, one thing to know, especially if you're a marketer like me, I want to move quick. I want to keep moving, 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 but I've really had to like tame myself down and let the, the software catch up with what we're doing. And now we're building so many different verticals. For example, we're building a vertical called ZenPay, which is our own payment processing solution. Mm. And what it does is if you're fulfilling your products through ZenDrop and you're using autofulfill, We'll make sure we never hold any of your funds or shut down your account, which a lot of drop shippers run into that problem. And Especially the with Amazon. I mean, I can't tell you how many clients we've helped out with financing that, oh, you know, Amazon just shut my account down or, oh, Amazon's holding my account now for several weeks or same thing with PayPal. Yeah. And the reason is because the banks need to mitigate their risk against one or two bad eggs that don't fulfill their products and get a ton of chargebacks. So they, they try to take like a 10% reserve from everyone. So they don't have, the banks don't want to take the risk. But with us, since we're the ones actually doing the fulfillment, we mm -hmm. know your data. We know that you're fulfilling the product and we're in a partnership with Stripe. So Brilliant. we're white labeling their platform and we'll guarantee to never hold the funds. But even something like that, you know, you think it'll take two months to build out but it could easily be six months or eight months. So it's like, you have to be patient and you have to have a, a long-term vision to stick with software. 
a lot of people in today's age, it, you know, we're so trained and we're so in the environment of like really quick information. We're, we're scrolling on Instagram. TikTok's even worse, right? You got like a 10 second attention span. You think of this, you can't even hold an idea for more than like four minutes. But if you're going to build a software, you have to be in it long term. So my advice is really crystallize what your vision is, really map it out, really build a plan. And, and you got to commit to it because it's going to take longer than you think. And if you keep changing your mind, you know, you're going to be in a position where you don't, you know, you don't end up liking where you are. And how much of a key would you say it is to actually have experience within the industry? Because obviously you've been doing drop shipping and Shopify and online e-commerce for several years. So you kind of had a good idea of what it was going to take and what, what software actually would help and, and uh, pay dividends. Yeah, how vital do you think that was for you guys to create the right software? Well, I think in coming up with what to make, it's important to have some pulse on, on the customer that you're building it for. But I think more so than experience or technical abilities or marketing knowledge, you really need emotional intelligence. Um, like people, I, we did a coaching program. I had 500 group coaching students that would get on a Zoom call every week and people would hop on the call. And if I spoke to somebody for five or 10 minutes, but you'd get people that came on and they knew everything about dropshipping. They knew everything about running ads but they had a bit of skepticism and they kind of were more on the negative side and they, they, they were making their decisions based on fear and they were just kind of dipping their toe. And no matter how good they were, I knew they weren't going to win. But then you get people that come in, they would wake up, they would, they would, first thing they would think about was all the opportunity they had versus like all the problems that they had. They'd remind themselves of the opportunity. They'd be excited. They were in a good mood. So emotionally, they were very intelligent. And even if they had no skills, those people were much more likely to succeed than the people who had skills, but a low emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. So where I try to focus a lot of my attention is on feeling good. That's number one. You know, I built out a meditation room in my house. I like to spend an hour to an hour and a half in there every morning, just with some good music, no phone thinking about the day, thinking about my vision, stretching, like getting myself like low levels of stress, not getting, because also your, your energy is very fragile in the morning. Like if you wake up and you read a bad Instagram DM, like that emotion could stay with you for like three hours. And you're like, why do I feel so shitty? So my advice is focus more on who you want to be than what you need to do. And then the thoughts you need to do what you need to do, will they'll flow to you as opposed to you chasing them from a bad state of mind, if that makes sense. No, great, great insights. And, and I, I've at interviewing a lot of entrepreneurs and reading so many books about it that morning and, and how you start your morning and the morning meditation. And, and it's so vital. It's so vital. And, and who you want to be will attract, you know, that where you, where you want to go after you actually figure out who you want to be as an entrepreneur, as a person, family, whatever it might be. So amazing stuff. Again, guys, zendrop.com and amazing value bombs. You'll probably want to listen to this episode a few times and take notes with Jared's experience and all the value pieces that he's dropped for us. Uh, Jared, how else uh, can the audience and, and us uh, serve you and, and how can we connect with you online? Um, well, you can connect with me on social. Um, 
as of the last like six months, I'm not very active on there, but I do check my DMs. So happy to connect with people. And really all, all we look for is better ways to serve people. So if you have any suggestions, if you try our software, you have any feedback for us, we greatly value the feedback and uh, just, you know, for giving us better ways to serve the community. Amazing story, guys. Jared Getz, founder, co-founder of Zendrop.com. Go check it out. I know we've got a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs listening to this podcast. And again, implement what he's teaching, have the right mindset and bounce back from adversity. Don't let, uh, you know, get through the fear. I mean, just amazing how at age 19, how someone can start building. And so maybe you're not 19, maybe you're 30, maybe you're 50, whatever position you find yourself in, you can change it all. And when you do, and you begin to reach out, magical things can happen. Jared, thanks so much for being a guest on the podcast and the amazing value that you've shared. Thank you, Leo. Thanks for having me on. Great being here. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.